Hi and welcome to episode 40 of Walk to Work. Always into the case this time, walk back from work and cross my fingers that it's not too windy. Uh, so today I would like to talk about dancer personas, specifically when thinking about planning classes. So I've been very um, checklist oriented uh, recently. I've been thinking about what's my checklist for uh, classes. If I've prepped a class, what do I go over to check uh, that we have things? So like uh, things that uh, I guess I want to have in every class uh, in terms of structure. We need a warm-up. Uh, we need a recap. Some kind of format for each of those. Um, uh, ideally, I want a theme and then I want some content to go with it. Um, and I want the theme to kind of match up nicely uh, with uh, the content so that we're doing something that feels coherent um, and isn't just a random bunch of moves. Um, although maybe, yeah. Um, and then I'm kind of thinking, especially if it's a beginner class, uh, I want people to uh, interact socially with, the, with each other. I want them to learn to ask each other to dance. Um, I want them to learn to hold each other comfortably and speak up if it's not comfortable. Um, I want them to learn ideally uh, to say no thank you to a dance. Uh, that's one that uh, most of my classes does not uh, do not check that uh, particular checkbox. Uh, and I guess although there's a point uh, where I would rather uh, specialize because there's a certain um, kind of class that I'm excited to give and there's a certain kind of person that I'm excited to teach um, and that's probably someone who uh, does not need much uh, extrinsic motivation um, and who is happy to invest 100% uh, in whatever material I've prepared uh, without being too, oh, this is really hard, or oh, this is really technical, or oh, this is a little bit boring. Um, because that frees me up from having to, to deal with those considerations. Um, and I guess uh, I want, ideally, people who come to class to get better uh, because that's a, what a, lot, a large part of my teaching is thought around. Uh, and there's an extent to which I can kind of select my students um, and be like, well, if, that's not, if those things are not your jam, then that's fine. You don't have to be in this class. But there's also an extent to which, especially if we're teaching, um, well, I guess pretty much in all uh, teaching situations where it's not my own workshop, Maybe organizers would hire me uh, for uh, my boring content. Uh, so far, uh, that's not been the case, so I would, wouldn't expect uh, people to do that. Um, uh, and definitely when teaching locally, uh, people don't have the choice. For example, in Edinburgh, we only have uh, one, two, one and a half uh, sets of uh, blues classes uh, because uh, Ewan's recently started uh, teaching some uh, solo workshops um, and so we kind of it's kind of cool because now we have sort of two sources of blues which I think is better than 
one anyways uh, people kind of still have if they're going to weekly classes they only have one source and uh, that means that we kind of have to cater to everybody because well a it's not clear that our scene's big enough to be able to be like hey if you're only interested in this you're not welcome and we already do a little bit of that like if people are only interested in dancing with their partner as a social activity we don't really cater to that uh, I mean we do but not actively uh, if people are interested in complaining about how saying that there's more than two genders is politically correct uh, they won't really uh, gel with what we're going for and so we already kind of there's an idea where um, in business the there's different ways of phrasing it I like to think of it's okay to fire your customers if and it's not a a bad thing it's just a no hard feelings this is not for you I, I can't make this thing I can't delight these people with these things with this thing if at the same time I try to make it barely passable to you so you take your thing and you focus on how many people can I delight with this so this is a kind of Seth Godin um, idea of what's the smallest number of people that you can delight with uh, your product uh, and is that sustainable for you uh, Anyway, so my answer to that is probably not really uh, because uh, I'm not sure that my default dance class product um, is uh, delighting to enough people that I'm able to reach. And so people are like, oh, I've heard of blues dancing, I'm going to come and do it. Many of them have done other dances. Uh, generally, my ideal class, I would be like, Everything you have learned from every other single dance teacher ever is completely wrong. Uh, which is not true. It's massively unfair to other dance teachers, but would make life so much easier. Uh, also, every conception that you have about dancing is wrong. Uh, let's pretend you know nothing about dancing and start from scratch. <laughs> uh, which actually is also contrary to, um, well, to, to, to science about learning and what I believe about teaching. Uh, prior experience is definitely relevant. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that, that particular product uh, does not delight uh, people. So there's a fair argument for saying um, my dance classes should um, have something for everyone. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm sort of going in that there will be a core group of people that my classes are definitely for. Um, but I don't want to leave other people out. And so, as I've mentioned before, uh, this podcast is hugely inspired by um, Magic the Gathering design podcast called Drive to Work, uh, where Mark Rosewater um, talks on his drive to work about issues in uh, Magic the Gathering design. So Magic the Gathering is a tradable card game. Uh, you're a wizard, you battle other wizards with your card. Something like that. I haven't actually played it in 20-odd years. Anyway, um, what... Mark comes up with is he has this uh, and uh, what they actually came up with in Magic the Gathering design probably over 15 years ago maybe even over 20 years ago now is uh, what Mark called uh, psychographics and these are I think nowadays uh, we would probably call them personas um, 
or maybe we could call them personality types. They're basically um, archetypes of people who have a specific goal when playing Magic the Gathering. So um, one of the goals that someone uh, could have is to win. They really like winning. They um, so when a new card set comes out, the cards are kind of deliberately, some of them are really good, some of them are really bad, and some of them are in the middle, and some of them are deceptively good because there's kind of a cost-quality trade-off, uh, and it's really subtle, uh, figuring out which cards are good, which cards work together, and basically how to, how to win, and that's, I mean, if you could just easily win, that would be kind of boring. Uh, and so figuring out which cards are good and which ones you put in your deck and how you play them and what uh, is going to make you win the most. That is uh, what motivates certain people. And that uh, psychographic uh, in Magic Gathering game design, uh, they refer to as Spike. Uh, Spike likes to win. Spike is probably a tournament player, uh, but basically Spike would rather uh, consistently win as many games as possible. Um, another type of person, they find, uh, they like to express, they like uh, the creativity, they like the way that Magic the Gathering allows them to express who they are. Um, and so they might like certain styles of play, and they'll like certain styles of play more than others. So for example, there's a style of play where you bring out lots and lots of tiny creatures, uh, and then you attack with them all at once. Uh, and the other player gets uh, overwhelmed um, because he doesn't have an answer for all these little creatures. Um, and that's a thing that certain people uh, will find fun, and they will go to great lengths to figure out how can I do that so that uh, it works, so that it exploits this really weird quirk where I'm able to create 50 tiny creatures and attack with them all, uh, bearing in mind that... Um, uh, in Magic the Gathering, you typically have 20 life. A tiny creature will at least be a 1-1 or a 1-0, so, we'll uh, so we'll be able to inflict one point of damage. So 50 tiny creatures um, probably overkill. Uh, and if you can deal with 35 tiny creatures, you can probably deal with 50. So creating those extra 15 tiny creatures, eh. But it makes for a great story see narrative equity uh, and it makes for you've figured out this really weird interaction between cards and you've made it work uh, and so this uh, they call uh, Johnny slash Jenny uh, and Johnny slash Jenny um, is very happy to lose nine games out of ten so long as the tenth game they are able to win using this really quirky weird thing um, uh, and, and that's what delights them, and that's what keeps them coming back. Uh, and then there's a third uh, psychographic, um, which they call uh, Timmy slash Tammy. Uh, originally, these psychographics uh, were named for dudes. Um, so uh, Johnny, Spike, and Timmy. Uh, and then somehow uh, they got uh, wind of the fact, hey, having girl players is... or missing out on girl players is quite sad, or women players even, because probably grown-ups play Magic the Gathering too. Uh, let's market to women as well. Um, 
how Magic the Gathering does with diversity would be an interesting topic that I don't actually know enough about, but for another day. Uh, and so Timmy, uh, Tammy, um, they're excited by the big things. Uh, if you have a big creature, um, it's an 8-8. Uh, that was one of the biggest creatures at one point. I had one. I remember when I got that card, I was massively Timmy Tammy back then. I was like, oh my goodness, um, this is huge. Uh, I'm going to put it in my deck and someday I'm going to get to play it and they'll be like, fear my 8-8 and I will kill you with it. Um, and there's a certain lack of um, uh, subtlety maybe, but there's also a, a straightforwardness and a kind of pure joy. Um, Maybe Timmy, uh, Tammy realized that uh, this 8-8 is actually terrible value because you have to pay huge amounts of mana and it actually has an upkeep that you have to pay each turn or sacrifice it. And it's just basically a pain in the butt to deal with uh, and a really bad card uh, as a, a card that you put in your deck. Uh, but Timmy, Tammy doesn't really care about that. Uh, because it's like, I get to play my 8-8. Eight, eight. Woo, it's huge, fear me. Uh, um, I think there's something a little bit more insightful to say about Timmy Tammy. Um, but obviously, uh, the, the Timmy Tammy psychographic, psychographic is um, so sort of straightforward and non-devious and joyful about life that I don't quite... Um, I'm quite joyful about life, but not in a kind of straightforward way, more in a sort of hidden, secret kind of way. Like, I'm definitely uh, Johnny Jenny. Anyway, um, the, there's also another kind of uh, psychographics that um, um, is kind of a two-dimensional space uh, that I can't remember what they call. One of them is Vorthos, and one of them is something else. So one person just really likes... Uh, the role-playing nature of the game. There's a whole backstory, uh, there's a kind of, um, you summon a creature, I summon the Lord of the Pit, <laughs> and you can do the voices, and you can be really invested in trying to make um, uh, the world, the universe, come to life. And another kind of person is really invested uh, sometimes the same person is really invested in uh, the mechanics uh, of the game. So although the mechanics uh, then has a flavor, has a um, this uh, thing that can attack is a creature. This creature is a creature that you have summoned and if it dies it will go to the graveyard. Um, and this is your deck of spells and the, um, they will think of it sort of much more prosaically. This is a card that is a permanent and can live um, can attack every turn, and therefore if it goes unblocked, it will cause 8 damage a turn. Uh, and they look at the, 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 the game much more mechanically. And they're really excited by new mechanical things. Uh, whereas others are really excited by new storytelling things, new creature types. Uh, that may or may not also incorporate new mechanics. Um, yeah. So... I imagine that part of their checklist when uh, they're designing a set is like, do we have enough cards for Timmy Tammy? Do we have enough cards for Spike? Do we have enough cards um, for Johnny Jenny? Uh, and then when they have holes to fill, typically at last minute, they'll be like, oh, 
if like they realize that something's broken and they want to switch it out there's a bunch of roles that that card plays uh it is a creature and all sets have to have a creature uh or i mean all sets have to have many creatures uh it's a creature it's a one-one creature with flying uh it's a one-one creature with flying that is going to that does something really quirky that appeals to johnny jenny and so suddenly you're like oh this card doesn't work we need to take it out uh, especially at a later point in the phase, you're going to be like, to bring it in, it has to remain a 1-1 one, one creature. It has to stay flying. Um, and then further checklist, this one appeals to Johnny Jenny uh, and is a character from the story so that it can appeal to Vorthos or the other. Um, and that's part of the design checklist. And I was thinking, oh, this would be a really good concept to transfer over to dance classes. Uh, and have a kind of a, a class persona checklist. So you have um, the really obvious, the people who come uh, as a couple and really don't really want to be separated, uh, and they're doing it as an activity to do together as a, a couple. Uh, and especially with, I want to say older folks, that's maybe a bit mean, uh, often those couples get into terrible fights about this whole dancing thing uh, because uh, the woman dragged the husband out. Uh, we see this very little in, in our classes, uh, but I know it uh, it happens, and especially in Lindy World, especially um, in, in France. Whoops. Just lost my microphone there. Um, and so that's definitely one uh, psychographic, and I'm not quite sure what makes those people happy. Uh, I know how you can make those people less happy is force them to spend a lot of time not with their partner. Um, is give them something that will reveal that neither of them is very good at dancing, and then they can blame each other. Um, which, I mean, of course they're not very good at dancing, they're in dance class. Uh, but they will focus so much on how much they can blame each other. Um, yeah, uh, that's a difficult, also a difficult uh, set of people to design for. Uh, people typically, if you're trying to build a scene, grow a community, who won't be all that useful in that. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, not really sure how to find positive from that demographic. Then you have people who come out uh, because dancing is sociable. Um, and so they, they like the classes and they like... Um, working on things, they like learning new things, but ultimately they want to be able to have a chat with people, they want to be able to connect people, they want to be able to meet people, um, and have more people to dance with uh, afterwards. And this whole complex technique thing, um, not really for them, uh, and what makes them happy, so the, the goal for them is uh, they meet new people and they have something uh, that um, gives them an in. Uh, I think. And it's like if you met a people person and you had this really special weird experience, you can you have a, um, a uh, something to talk about. Um, and so I think that uh, in classes having those kinds of things and also having uh, a scaffolded sociable element uh, really useful. Uh, you have people who are really good at dancing. Uh, often women, but also guys uh, who have uh, been dancing a lot all their lives. Maybe they've done ballet, maybe they've done modern dance, uh, maybe they've just done football and those skills are really transferable. Uh, I'm never quite sure also what to do for those people because if you go to certain kinds of dance class, like you go to African dance class, it is really, really hard. 
and social dance classes we tend to make them quite a lot easier so I always wonder how many people just come to social dance class and we spend 40 minutes doing this really simple thing uh, that I mean it's challenging for people who haven't danced before but it's really simple for people who have danced before uh, it's like how do we make it deeper for them and there's another concept from Magic the Gathering that um, this is also an experience thing, uh, which interestingly is not part of the psychographics. Uh, so maybe uh, this one actually isn't a category that's useful. Um, Mark calls it lenticular design, uh, by which he means when looked through at different lenses of experience, people see different things. Uh, so where we uh, might see just, oh, this is a rock step and it goes into a triple step and you do it at the start of a swing out. Uh, someone with more experience uh, might see, oh, there's a difference between a very stretchy rock step, a very counterbalancey rock step. Um, there's a difference between a rock step that takes both people back versus it takes the lead back and the follow forward. Um, there's a difference between a rotational rock step and a linear rock step. When you're doing rock steps, uh, something nice happens with your spine. Um, and so you can make your classes probably at multiple levels so that people can see that or see other things. And that would maybe be more a level thing uh, and an experience thing. Uh, but it could also be kind of a psychographic thing, uh, especially for non-workshop kind of weekend classes, uh, but just weekly classes uh, where people come to have fun. Uh, some people, especially for blues dancing, they come to dance class to have a positive experience. Um, for their for their body and for their mind and heart and soul, um, dancing uh, they've had a long day at work. Dancing is their stress release thing, uh, and uh, they really like the music. Uh, not necessarily for the music, but they like the music because the the, the, the music takes them somewhere. And so they're really going to like a class uh, where the class kind of takes them somewhere, possibly thinking, possibly not thinking too much. And that's a, that's a, a, a chat place I also find quite difficult to, to design classes for because I know that if I take people too much into thinking uh, or ideally to help people learn, I would want to take them into discussion of how things are working and why they're working and why they're not working. Um, and some people are like, no, but I've been studying all day. I've been working really hard with my brain all day. Don't really want to use my brain right now. Don't really want to talk and have to deal with interacting with people and placating people's egos and all that stuff. Um, there are people who come to class to get really better at dancing. Uh, sometimes we try to make classes very welcoming and so maybe that's also a little bit tied to the experience thing before um, and so we don't maybe give directly feedback uh, to people and that's one of the ways that we can really differentiate um, between motivations in classes that some people are there to have feedback and to be encouraged and to be like yes you're doing great and some people are there uh, just to do their thing and they don't really want to feel observed uh, or feel the necessity of, of receiving feedback um, what others yeah that's a kind of my reason for, for doing this podcast I was kind of thinking and not really sure where to go with this and so I'm thinking oh I'm starting to have a few listeners now Tell me who your personas are. Tell me who your psychographics are. Who do you plan your dance classes for? And do you try to put in 
a little bit of something for everybody or do you design very specifically uh, for a persona or a subset, a small set of personas uh, in mind? Yeah, let me know and hopefully I'll be able to do a follow-up uh, post uh, episode uh, talking about the various uh, uh, psychographics that people come up with. I will see you next week and until then, take care.